If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Daniel, welcome to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. Thank you, Owen. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure, mate. We're going to talk uh, 24 tips and tricks for 2024, a bit of a play on words, play on numbers. For those of you that are regulars on the Australian Business Podcast, you'll know we go live to the airways twice a week, usually on a Thursday and a Sunday. And Daniel and I and Jordan, who's not with us today, but the three of us are here to answer your questions. So if you're new to the show, um, you can expect each and every week, a couple of episodes helping you run your business better. And of course, you can write into us. You can ask us about marketing. You can ask us about how to structure operations. You can ask the guys their tax uh, tips. Our most popular episode, I think it was, that we just went over, our most popular episode of 2023 was seven tax deductions that no one's ever heard of. Um, and so we know what you want. We can see that now. We've got a year of data. We've got 10,000 people that listen to the show that run businesses or are planning to run a business, and we're just here to be as helpful as possible. We're not going to dwell on it too long in the intro because we've got 24 things we need to get through today, and we're going to spend about one to two minutes on each idea. Uh, we're going to go, I go, you go. Uh, I think in the last episode, you went first, Daniel, so maybe I'll go first in this one. Um, so my one is my first one, and I talked about it in the last episode, which is the idea of an elephant's group, which is finding two, uh, three to four people in your life that you can be vulnerable with in business or in life. Uh, it's like an absolute, you know, message sent from heaven, uh, so to speak. You will be a better person because of it. You will feel better if you can get the support of other people around you. Running a business is not easy. I know it seems glamorous from the Forbes rich list and all that sort of stuff or the interviews on Bloomberg, but anyone that's in the trenches knows how hard it can be. So um, finding people around you that you can be vulnerable with. In 2023, we were introduced to this idea of the elephants group, which is where you get some people in your life and you meet up with them every quarter uh, and you just spend an hour each just talking to each other about your goals, your desires and the things that you're unsure of in life. And it is purely confidential you just do that with some friends uh, or family or colleagues or people that are close to you um, go back to the nick crocker episode um, if you want to learn more so that would be my number one you can do that i think for for the people that have been running business for a while and sort of haven't seen much call it growth maybe and something they're looking for in 2024 my number one thing is maybe spend the year reinvest back in don't take all your profits don't start you know paying yourself large wages and you know, taking as much as you can home, this is probably the time to reinvest, whether it's high-level employees to, to come in and take some of your workload off. Part of your goals might be to sort of step away from the business. And in order to do that, there needs to be some type of reinvestment back in. So I think leading into it, have some money ready to reinvest back to the business. It's not directly an expense, 
it might look like that on the profit and loss, but you need mm. to be able to see it for what it is, which is a reinvestment back into your asset, which is the business. So with you dealing with like clients day to day is like business strategy and accounting. Um, how do you make someone make that uh, prompt someone to make that decision? Like, do you look at how much money they're generating in terms of their cash flow and be like, well, where do you want to be in three years? Like a goal setting, like how, how do you make that decision? You know what, that's a, that actually brings me into one of my other points. So I'm going to start with the other point and then build into your question. So my one other point is set a strategy day, work out your goals and your targets. Yeah. Right. Cool. That's where that comes out of. It, 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 we need to determine what you want as a business owner. If you are happy with the job you have created, it creates enough money for you to live, to live sort of comfortably, happily, and you're hitting all your personal goals, you're hitting your business goals, and you're happy, then there's probably no need to reinvest back into the business. You've got it to where you want it to be. Mm. So it all comes back down to strategy and goal setting. So that's when we'll determine when, how, what for, what do we need to achieve, and how do we achieve that? That's where the reinvestment part comes back in. So you have this kind of like overarching goal and strategy at the top, and then you have the ability to reinvest. Obviously, you need to make, pardon me, money or time or something. You need to have some resource available so you can reinvest to meet those goals. Well, part of, part of the issues list that you might have or one of your pain points is that you don't have the funds to reinvest. And part of the maybe the first six months might be creating the funds to reinvest, right? Mm. It's, all, it's all about having that strategy and the goal setting so that you actually know what you're trying to achieve. Because it's very easy for me to sit back here and say reinvest into your business. But mm. from a micro level where you're operating the business, sort of like, well, what's the right reinvestment? Where do the resources need to go? And the only real answer is that, well, what do you want to achieve? What is your goal? Not what your neighbor's goal is, not what your mum's goal is, not what your partner's goal is. What is your goal as the business owner? What do you want? Yeah. And that's the strategy that you implement. Yeah, I like it. Um, okay, so strategy day, you normally do those with Jordan at the beginning of the year, right? Yeah, every every year during the closing period, Jordan and I hire out a room um, off-site, completely, somewhere completely new every single time. Um, and we set the, the goals and the plans for the year. Yep. That, that dictates where I suppose, especially the first quarter takes us. And then from there to the pivoting and um, making decisions and different choices. But the goals are very, they're, they're not like, I need to work seven and a half hours every single day. They're very like target and outcome driven. So there might be multiple ways to achieve that outcome. and. The, the, the point of being the business owner is making the right choices to get to those goals as quick as possible. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. I think if someone doesn't have a business partner, you can maybe, even if it's your partner in life, like your your wife, your husband, your whatever, maybe you can take them to dinner or maybe you can set aside a couple of hours just to chat with them over a coffee about where you were this year and where you want to be in 2024. I find that so valuable. Just talking to anyone, uh, even if it's like a friend or a colleague or something, just talk to them um, honestly and openly because it's actually like, as many people know, it's actually just the process of talking about things that brings up um, the whole, you know, revelations and the breakthroughs. So mm -hmm. I like it. Um, okay, I might uh, change to one that uh, people, which I touched on in the last episode, which was um, marketing is about how people feel. So a lot of people that approach marketing think it's about like all the widgets in the world, all the features, no one gives a shit. No one cares. What they care about is how you make them feel. And you might be thinking, well, my business sells to other businesses. It's not selling to consumers. Well, you're selling to some individual who's making the decision. So when you try and sell to them, you're trying to make the you're trying to make their decision easy. So you want them to like you first of all, but secondly, you want to understand what their incentive is. If even if they're you know, insert level in that business and they've got to fight for your project to their um, or that your business to their manager, you've got to know what their incentive is and how you can overcome those hurdles. And um, when you're selling to a consumer, the hurdles are within, so they're like internally within a person. So what we talk about in marketing is sell the transformation, don't sell the features. So how does your customer currently feel about your product now before they've taken the product or service and how will they feel after? So I know with you, for example, Daniel, 
Now, you and Jordan serve heaps of different um, small businesses with accounting and tax compliance and strategy and mergers and acquisitions and that sort of stuff. Before, if I was marketing your service, I'd say before, you're feeling unsure of whether you're compliant, whether you're maximizing your tax deductions. You're unsure of if you're on the right path with your strategy. You don't know because you don't have someone. You feel alone in your business. After, you feel informed. You feel confident. You've got a second opinion that's from an expert who is experienced. You feel confident in seizing the opportunity in front of you. And so you're selling the transformation. You're selling, here's you before, here's you after. That's what you're trying to sell. Um, not necessarily, oh, yeah, it's, you know, we do 10 zero reconciliations a month and, uh, you know, we help process your payroll. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. So focus on people, how people feel. That would be my tip. Love cool. It. All right. You're on number three, I think. Yeah, this is a boring one. This is don't put off compliance. Don't put off your buses. <laughs> don't put off your super. Don't put off your tax. Putting it aside and ignoring it and being naive is only going to create the matter worse because you're creating almost a black hole of unknown, call it liabilities at this yep. point in time. Yep. All businesses need to know their liabilities as soon as possible. Whether they're due or not, you need to know what the business could be liable for or is liable for at what point in time, at any point in time. So I think don't put it off. You're better off knowing and having a strategy on how to repay it. So let's say, for example, you might have a $10,000 bass bill, but you just put $10,000 towards a new piece of machinery that's going to help your business long-term. So short-term, you don't have the cash to pay it. Long-term, you will. So rather than ignoring it, putting it to the side, letting that 10 turn into 30, that 30 turn into 70, that 70 turn into 100, you're better off having a plan on how to repay your 10 first. Mm. And the next one comes, it might be 20, because obviously efficiency's gone up, everything's gone down. Um, then have a new plan. If you've reinvested the money, don't have it set into place. You're already $10,000 better off when you get to that second compliance point if you don't have the money ready, readily available. So don't leave it, know about it and have a plan and don't be scared. Yeah, I think that's the thing. If you get an accountant who knows what they're doing on your side, they'll deliver it and they'll say, well, these are our options. Even if you've got a big tax debt, like a, to be honest, if you've been in a small business for long enough, you know that there's always either tax owing. Well, there's almost always tax owing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to have some tax liability throughout your life as a business owner. Yeah, have um, a plan. That's, yeah. the, the goal is just to have a plan, have an affordable yeah. payment plan that you come into place. And it might be paying a little bit extra to pay things down so you can continue contributing. It, it's having funds aside ready to go is, is the goal. Um, is using your tax money for reinvestment a good strategy? It's, it's not a bad strategy, mm. especially when the ATO gives you payment plans. As long as you're not defaulting and compliant, they're there readily available. There's very little sort of recourse on it as well. Yeah, so just be informed and have a plan. Like yeah. it, man. Okay, so in the last episode, we talked about the the revolution that really just hit 2023 in the face, which was AI. Uh, in 2024, I can almost guarantee that AI is going to take more advancement forward, more big steps and leaps forward for your business. Um, let's just talk about some of these things that you can explore over the Christmas and New Year's period. Obviously, we're, we're going live um, New Year's Eve. So you've got the next few days potentially before you have to go back to work to explore some of these ideas. Um, productivity tools, social media marketing, you can automate almost all of that these days. Canva allows you to create in there automated, in an automated way. So you can say to Canva, create a Instagram post that has XYZ features, a puppy dog that's looking into the sky. Um, email marketing, we use Drip, you can use MailChimp, they have super AI features these days. Uh, active campaign, Salesforce, all of those. PowerPoint presentations and templates through Canva, Google Docs, Microsoft Copilot, all of these things use AI um, to create like a, if you say, I was thinking like if you're like a, a service-based business and you have a template for pitching a proposal to someone, you can just be like, these are the parameters, AI create the design for me, use my existing style guide. Or if you're a tradie or a builder who is pitching for new jobs, you can use AI in the design software, AI in helping you understand the costings for your projects. All of those things for note-taking, that sort of stuff. At Rask, we use um, Google Suite, so we have Google Bard uh, in our Google Chat and Google Meet. Uh, it, it can summarize meetings and 
spit out meeting notes and all that sort of stuff. So use it, take full advantage of AI tools in 2024. Even if it's only one or two parts of your business, it could save you hundreds of hours over the course of the year and thousands of dollars in wages. That's my spiel, my yep. rant, Daniel. Love it. Couldn't agree more. Cool. Another boring one. We love tax tips. So <laughs> we do. This is honest. probably our most repeated tip, mm -hmm. but the most effective tip and a tip that not many business owners continue to sort of use. We get ignored a lot. Okay. What is it? When you pay wages, put your withholding tax and super in a different account. Let your trading account feel the gross impact of your wages mm -hmm. because they're paid, the, the withholding tax especially can be paid monthly or quarterly depending on the size of your uh call it uh, employee wages amount but super's got to get paid as well constantly supers you know they're quite strict you've got to pay that before the 28th of you know the quarter ending or oh, 28 days after the quarter, the quarter ends and we, when we say pay that means the super funds have to have the money in their account yeah right because i think there's a misconception of paying it and the funds receiving it usually yeah. do it a couple of days before minimum but that is our biggest tip because a lot of the buses and a lot of these tax consequences that come a lot of the time majority of it can be withholding tax and super that puts you behind so if you're letting your trading account feel the full impact i just think from even like a i've got a few other points sort of later on that i'll touch on with these benefits as well it helps from your metric point of view so you don't have false profits in your trading account yeah that is a tip that i could not stress enough is the tip that not enough business owners use. Um, and I think it just has a dramatic impact on cash flow and must, the confidence of paying down your tax consequences. I must admit, I don't always do this and I should be doing this. Like you can go when you go into zero and you do your monthly pay run, mm. you can see the super amount and the withholding tax amount. So mm. you're saying like transfer that into that separate bank account, that third bank account. The same time you do payroll transfer it into your second or third account, whatever you use um, to track your cash flow. Put that across. It is not yours. It is not profit. Don't falsely overstate it and don't have it. If you need to dip into it short term from a cash flow point of view, that's okay. But almost treat it like a loan from one account to another account and have it ready, ready to pay back. It's still your money. But that will help you dramatically. You know, that's probably the easiest way to, to dramatically feel at ease from a best perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump down to another one, which is related to this, which is be ready to sell even if you aren't. Uh, and this is the idea and the book uh, Built to Sell covers a lot of this. The idea is that your business should be in a financial position where it is ready to be sold, even if you don't want it to be, because the single best reason for this is if you are preparing as if your business was being ready to sell, you would be maximizing profits because you want it to look really good before you sell it to someone because you'll get a better valuation. And so in your business right now, ask yourself, would my business be ready to sell tomorrow? Would I be able to go into zero, log in and just get print off the latest statement and be like, here's the numbers. Do you want to buy it? Well, if it's not, then you've got some work to do. Make it more profitable. That's just missed opportunity. Some people think, well, oh, yeah, I don't need to be profitable and blah, 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 this, that, and I don't need to push that hard for this. It's actually not about making more money. It's actually about protecting yourself because if your business is profitable, it means, as you said in the last episode, you're seizing your opportunity and you've got cash in the bank and you can sleep easier at night. So yeah. be ready to sell, build to sell. Uh, go and look it up on Google if you need some more inspiration. So this one is very industry and client specific and maybe business specific as well. And it's know the difference between cost of goods sold and operating expenses. Okay. It's crucial, crucial. And that will probably build into like a bit of a pricing component as well. So you know what your direct costs are and you know where your operating expenses are, right? So operating expenses could be as simple as, you know, for example, if all the fleet that you have, you know, all the vehicles and all the, you know, the, what do you call them? The fuel cards that you're paying oh, yeah. on a constant basis. That's a direct cost. That's employees going from A to B, mm. from site to site, from um, client to client, whatever it may be. All those expenses are considered direct costs, even though traditionally they probably wouldn't be. They'd be factored in as an operating cost on 
like a motor vehicle expense component. But there's certain businesses where that's not applicable, it falls into the cost of goods sold component, right? For some people, wages are an operating expenses because they're called administrative. They're helping the business flow and run on. Whereas for other people that are completely like a labor hire business, they're completely cost of goods sold because that's what you're selling, right? So my recommendation is know the difference and what that means for you. This is a fantastic talking point with your accountant. Like if, if you come to your accountant with that type of question, your almost your level of respect with them will just bump up a couple notches straight away and the conversations you're going to have with your accountant are going to elevate because you're going to be talking the same language at that point in time. And I think from a mm. profit point of view, they're your key figures because all of a sudden you've create you've understood sort of KPIs and how to improve your profits. So a lot of people that even don't run their own businesses would want to know profit margins on products and things like this. I'm chatting to someone about uh, his business that he worked for and uh, he was talking about they were incentivized by their gross profit margin, mm -hmm. which is they were selling uh, heaters and coolers and that sort of stuff. And he was saying that like, well, we know it's about a 20, 30% margin mm -hmm. um, because that's a really good incentive structure for someone that's in sales because you know that you could get the sale if you undercut the price of the competitor, but then you're not going to get as much gross profit because right. you've got to pay for that heater and then deliver it to the customer. That's, That's right. a big, big cost of good salt. Yeah. Right. So knowing the difference between those and because every business is different. Like that's, that's probably a, a bit of the point. It's like every business, it will be slightly different mm. and having someone sit down with you, explain to you and have that calculated with you is going to bring a lot of value to you. So if that's something you can talk to your accountant about early on in the year, I think you're setting yourself up for a really, really good year from a profit percentage perspective. Like it, mate. Like it. Um, okay, so that brings me to my question, my topic, which is something that we did reflect on in the last episode, which is knowing the pricing of your products. Uh, if you've got a few hours over the next few days to think about this, what I want you to imagine is I want you to ask yourself, have I priced my products correctly? And then what I want you to do is also reflect on which products bring me the most money. So when I say products, I mean services as well. Uh, which parts of my bring, business bring in the most money? But that's not good enough. A lot of people stop there and they're like, okay, well, I know it's this consulting thing that I do over here on the side. But maybe the consulting thing is the thing that consumes most of your effort. In which case, it may not be that good of a business where this other thing that you're doing over the side here, maybe it's like a technology thing, a service that you sell. Um, maybe that doesn't bring as much money in, but it's much better in terms of what you were saying, like your gross profit or it's not as much cost of goods sold. It's easier to administer. It's easier to scale. Maybe that's the thing that you need to focus on. So reviewing your product stack and what you offer, um, just imagine you cut the, the thing that takes you the most time. Where would your business be? Uh, and I'm going to package one extra thing in here, which is just the review your pricing because, um, you know, we've had a lot of inflation recently uh, in the building sector, tradies, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but even in other businesses, retail and these types of things, shipping costs, you name it, fuel is up, prices are up. Uh, maybe you need to roof like reflect on your pricing and Navar uh, Trosselu from Nevexa came on the show and did tell us how to survey your customers and know what they're willing to pay. That's super simple. So review your products, review your pricing uh, and start working down from there. Cool. Love it. I think my point builds on that as well and mm -hmm. that's percentages are important. You need to know your margins and it builds onto a bit of that cost of goods sold and, and operating mm -hmm. expense conversation. But understanding your KPIs and they they should be your focus points right when you're working on the business that is what you're focusing on it's improving margins it's improving percentages because at the end of the day it might be all well and good to say you run a 10 million or 20 million dollar operation but if you're in a negative that's a bit pointless right i'd rather be operating a two million dollar business with a 50 percent profit margin than a 10 million dollar business with a negative I remember, I remember when we were at the uh, Brisbane event this year uh, and I, I prompted Jordan and you were both on the stage. I prompted Jordan to say how much a good plumbing business makes. And he was like, oh, yeah, you can turn over a million bucks and make 400 grand in profit. And he's like, and that's after the wages. Like that is a wonderful, wonderful business. Yeah. I, I remember being out at dinner last year in 2022. Um, I was working late in the city and I just went to dinner by myself and they at this nice restaurant and they put – me next to this other dude who was a business 
person and he was in Melbourne for whatever reason. And he was such a wanker. Um, he, uh, he was basically just drinking way too much red wine and he was kind of like leaning into me saying like how good his business is and whatever. And then he was asking me questions and I'm just like trying to withhold a bit, but I was like, oh, screw it. And he was saying, oh, you know, my business turns over 10 million bucks. It's in this industry, in the construction industry and whatever. So I was thinking to my head, well, 10 to 20% profit margins, pretty good. He's like, oh, we make about a 7% profit margin. It's con civil construction. Yeah. And I was like, cool. And then he asked me how much we make. And he's like, oh, that's all. And I'm like, yeah, but our profit margins are so much higher than yours. Yeah. And I don't have the stress of having to outlay millions of dollars in wages and yeah. equipment and products. Like knowing your profit margins is actually the thing that know you know when you know you've got a beautiful business. Um, Absolutely. Until so that point, it, you don't know. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know what it is, how it works, find out. Yeah. So basically, I'll give you a crash course. Uh, you compare how much profit you got left to how much you, you got in sales. Um, and that's how you know your profit margin. That's one of the profit margins. There are many. Um, okay. So knowing your customer is really important. Uh, if you want to price your products and you want to design a strategy, it all starts with knowing who you're selling to. At the end of the day, businesses are divided into two camps. Uh, knowing uh, how much you can get from a customer and knowing how much it costs to serve them. A lot of people get the knowing your customer a bit wrong because they make uh, their preconceptions about who their customer should be and don't listen to who they actually are or see who they actually are. It took me years to figure this out. But it can be as simple as a survey, talking to people as they come in. Uh, if you want to go back and review that episode with Navar, go and check that out because he talks about like if you're a baker and you realize you can charge $8 for a pie that has some sort of sustainability focus, you could maybe run your entire business as a sustainable bakery. Um, but until you actually ask your customers what they're willing to pay for, you won't ever know. So ask them. We have customer avatars at Rask. Uh, we call them Sky and Ryan. So everything that we do comes back to marketing to Sky, who's a 30-year-old hairdresser, and Ryan, who's a mid-40s uh, engineer. Um, yeah. That's that's who it is, and that's we could tell you exactly what they do on weekends, where they go, where they shop, and what their interests are. Um, yeah, we're going to introduce a new one in 2024, but that's those are the two. So get that, build that customer base, know who they are, and survey to find out. Great. All right, what's your next one? Records, records, and records. That is one thing. Three records. Three records. That's one thing a lot of business owners lack sometimes is the ability to keep records. You know, if you're doing transfers, let's say invoice number one, two, three, um, there's a very good chance your account has no idea what that is for. Yeah. Right. Keep keep invoices, keep your ABNs for your contractors. Um, invest in some software as well, you know, whether it's Dext, whether it's HubDoc, whether it's any other sort of type of receipt bank that you've got, zero expenses. I'm sure MIB have a solution for it as well. But the more records you keep, generally the more accurate your reporting is, and the more you can use that reporting one, mm. you can probably deduct a little bit more than you thought because your records are actually quite good and we know what to advise and how to advise. Number two, it's more accurate to calculate your percentages, more accurate to calculate your cost of goods, more accurate to know what your KPIs should be, right? Mm. That's about it, to be honest. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes. And we, we, we've... We've talked in 2023 about you guys and how you use zero. We use zero. Yeah. Everyone uses zero. Uh, and one of the things that's great about zero is like you said this to me, and I don't know if it was this year or last year, but you said um, having an understanding of how zero works as the business owner, like you don't have to leave everything up to your account. Having an understanding of how zero works, it means that when you go into a meeting with them, you can ask intelligent questions and you can talk about strategy and you don't have to talk about all the things that you don't know. Um, and one of those things that you can do is you can set up recurring invoices if you have the same clients and they can run through zero or in the uh, zero marketplace. And to your point, you, you know this better than I do. If you have a, an, a particular invoicing software, you can actually do it so it syncs with zero and so that knows that if an invoice gets paid with that reference number, it's automatically synced makes everyone's life a lot easier. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, we've touched about it in previous episodes. It's almost like the agency model. It's sort of like it's okay to use agencies and outsource and do whatever it is, but you need to understand your outcome so you can check whether it's effective or not. And I yeah. think accountants need to be held to the same standard where unless the business owner understands what the outcome should be and is, 
how do you know your accountant's doing the right thing by you? How do you know your numbers are correct? How do you know, you know, where you're sitting financially? I think it's really important. I think it's really important to hold everyone that you outsource to, regardless whether it's sort of um, overseas, whether it's locally, whether it's other businesses, know your outcomes and hold those people accountable for it. Understand like it. it. The accountant accountable. Like it. Um, but, yeah, that relates to my next point, which is um, saving time and money by using software that actually works. And this comes from Jordan. Um, so Jordan's not with us recording today, but he sent some in advance, and this is one of his. And he said, uh, just invest in your tech stack. And I couldn't agree more. Like, uh, I know you guys have been through this process. When we say tech stack, what do we mean? It sounds like some Silicon Valley fancy person's language. Basically, all it means is what are the tools that you're using to do your trade? Um, so if you're um, maybe if you're in a cafe business, you're using probably Square, or maybe you've you've chosen to use like a Smart Pay terminal, which Smart charges the customer there and then, or maybe you're using um, Red Hat or one of those POS systems. Well, if you are, um, that's part of your tech stack. So knowing how they all work together is amazing. So if you could have your Square terminal talk to your Stripe account, if you take online payments as well which then talks to Zero, and Zero syncs up with your Fresho account because you're ordering fresh produce online. Like you've got this full thing that then that talks to your HR so people can put their time management in there when they're available, the casuals are on and are off and they're rostering. Like if you think about that, amazing, incredible. We talked with Alex from uh, Mid Coast Yard Services this year. Alexander came on and we did a bit of a coaching session live with him. And um, we talked about how in 12 months he wants to get to a point where his website talks to his MailChimp, talks to his service mate, talks to his lawn um, mowing team HR software. So that's what you want to get to. That's your tech stack. That's why you need to invest in it. Yeah, great. Cool. I think this is my last one before I head into Jordan's list. Um, bit of a plug, but I'm going to go on with it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, it's ask your accountant what services they offer. Because a lot of the time, the cheapest way to actually start outsourcing basic tasks, like this could be as simple as sort of frequent bookkeeping, payroll, because it's usually done in a smaller frequency, it's generally cheaper to get your accountant to do it than to hire even a part-time bookkeeper. Yeah. Right? So find out what services they have, you know, from whether it's advisory strategy and cash flow solutions, whether it's helping you with projections for the 24-year, whether it's working with you on the margins. They're obviously paid, but these are probably engagements that you would benefit far more from than talking to them about your bus bill. Yeah. Right? Your bus bill, it is what it is. With other services they could offer, you're talking about a person that's a skill set that knows the ins and outs of your business, that has seen other businesses go through these ups and downs. They generally have a few gold nuggets to share and they know okay. what they're talking about. But I might jump in here. A lot of businesses aren't like you guys. A lot, of, a lot of accounting businesses don't have the capacity or have built their business from day one to give strategy and to give insight rather than just doing... And that's your opportunity to reassess who you're working with and to pivot and to change. That, yeah. again, comes back to those outcomes. And it's sort of like if hmm. who you're working with now can't deliver the service that you need as a business owner, find someone that can because there is a solution for you. Hmm. Okay, so my tip is actually related to this. I'm going to change it, mm -hmm. pivot it slightly. But my pip, my tip is um, build an A team around you. So build mm -hmm. a team of experts that you can lean into. In the last episode, we talked about how, like, you can effectively budget for your mental health and you can budget for your personal health because that's so important as a business owner. So I remember thinking about this a few years ago. It's like, why don't we? Everyone in finance budgeting, they say to do things like oh, well, just put away 10% for holidays and 20% for future you and all that sort of stuff. What about like 5% for your mental health and well-being? Like that would be an amazing way to spend money on a massage, counselling, exercise physiology, whatever the case may be. Um, but or a boat. You, or a boat. Yeah, get a buy boat. No, don't buy a boat. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> only buy it if you're absolutely certain. Mental but, health only, remember? <laughs> yeah, even, then, even then, it's more like uh, mental cost um, <laughs> having to service a damn thing. Uh, but um, it's like you can build a team around you as well. So it's just kind of like a way for you to check in with the health of your business. Get a great accountant around you. Obviously, 
Grace Base. That's who I recommend. <laughs> Seeing that I'm talking to him right now. No. Um, now, of course, um, I've learned so much from you guys over the last two years working together. It's been amazing. Uh, more to come, by the way. Um, but the other thing would be if you're in a really like legal industry like finance, architecture, medicine, you might want to make a really good relationship with a law firm and have one particular lawyer that you work with that you have on call and they understand your situation. Uh, you might want an agency for some type of thing, whether it's PR, marketing, creative, technology, but you want to develop those relationships and build the A-team around you. Build them up because you can leverage them over time. A lot of people only go to these people when they need them at uh, that last moment. But if they are able to run with you and field your questions, they'll help you avert disaster. So that would be build the A-team. Yeah, I agree. And for people that don't have, you know, people around them that they think can be part of that A-team, you can find it. Ask for referrals, go through things. Like I'm sure every accountant has a really good lawyer that they refer to. I'm sure. Yeah, mortgage brokers. Have a, that's exactly advisors, right. So yeah. you can build an A-team around you with the people that you may already be associated with. You might have mutuals, et cetera. Yeah. There's yeah. people around you. And it's actually quite, it was probably something I wanted to mention with you, probably on Friday's episode on the on the Q&A. Um, I was doing a bit of reading and I was listening to a podcast with Shane Parrish as well. Yeah. And um, he was talking a bit about his rules. Yeah. Um, and one of the rules, which I thought was, I'd love to talk to sort of yourself and Jordan about it, was paying your contractors straight away. Don't wait for their payment terms. Don't wait for the end until it's due. Don't leave it to overdue. Because hmm. what it does, it puts you at the top of their priority list. If they know the jobs they do with you, they're going to get paid straight away on everything they do. You have all of a sudden got yourself into a good book and at the top of their priority list. They're busy. You send a job across. Guess what? You're getting priority because they know they're going to get paid straight away. I just thought, well, what a fantastic way to form really, really strong relationships. Absolutely. Because that's the thing with contractors. A lot of people know that freelancers and contractors are flaky because they don't have to serve you. They're not. You're not their master. Yeah. But that's one way to overcome that. Do you know yeah. remember what podcast that was on? That I, was. I feel on like I can remember that. Chris Williamson. Um, oh yeah. Modern Wisdom. It was. Um, it was a good time. Great, yeah. Yep, fist fist pump, and uh, you know a bit of um, pats on the back for us. We uh, had Shane Parrish on the show recently. Yeah, you did, you yep. did. Australian Australian business podcast. Here we go. Um, <laughs> check it out. Um, okay, cool. Like it. I think we talked about recently the yeah the whole automatic rules thing mm. um, in a recent episode. How you can make automatic rules for yourself. Yeah. Like, After you spoke about that, I really loved sort of the concept of it. So I just started going in. Obviously, you know my thoughts on reading and where I sit on that, and I don't have time for it. So I think podcast for me is the next great medium um, yeah. to sort of. It's the medium. What are you talking about? Yeah, the medium. The so only medium if you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> so I listened to a couple of his sort of features on a few different. Yeah, so around. good. He's so good. He's fantastic. And I love the concept of rules. And I think I thought maybe down the line, what a great episode that would be um, mm. to have a chat yeah. about it and see how we can apply it practically, practically for our listeners and small businesses and create some basic mm. rules people can follow to actually get results very quickly. Yeah. Watch the space 2024. Cool. Like it, mate. What's your next one? What do we got? Okay. You're moving on to Jordan's one. Mr. Jordan. Yep. What do we got? We've got staff. If money permits, be okay with making the investment two steps back to go 10 steps forward. Um, I think I said that at the very beginning with the reinvest in the business. I think staffing is key. Mm. That time is our most precious resource. It's something we can never get back. So maximizing what you can do with your time is the key. The only yep. way to do it is with staff. And when Jordan says two steps back, it's usually from a financial point of view because you're incurring the expense. Hmm. Well, for the first month, if you pay for a really good staff member, even if they're really good, they're not going to probably make your money in the first month, two months, who knows? Yeah, two to three months is generally like a very good feeling out period still. Like a lot of, you know, probation periods go for that long. And you got to let some of We're not robots, right? Same way you can't adjust the thing straight away, the same way someone else probably won't be able to. You've got to give them time to understand what they're doing, especially high level, right? They need to understand. It's not just doing something. They're not processors. They're high level. They know what they're doing. Let them find their feet and listen to them. Take their recommendations because it's generally going to help you long term. But yeah, well, I've got a uh, similar one, but I'm going to take the opposite 
uh, approach that cut underperforming staff. And I mean this since like it's I know it's a hard topic, but when I say underperforming, I mean that team member or team members who they might not just be underperforming, but they might be having an impact on the broader team. Um, you talked about this a bit in the last episode we did together where um, you talked about bums on seats and that idea of traction, which is the book by Gina Wickman, which is fantastic. Anyone should read it that runs a business. Um, the, the idea that uh, if you go back to the Netflix, I think I've got it here somewhere behind me, uh, the Netflix book, No Rules Rules, Basically, what they say in that book is like it should be 100% focus 100% of the time. Uh, and if you let someone in who brings your average down, your business rapidly decays. So you could have an absolute gun team of five people and then you bring in, you know, a, a five out of 10 person. That five out of 10 brings the average down across everyone. The whole collective falls away. And not only that, the other people who are high performing get really frustrated that that person's been added to the team. It's like you don't respect their talents and you don't respect their work ethic. And by bringing them in, it becomes toxic and they don't have the power to get rid of them, but you do. And so you put that off for a while thinking, oh, you know, well, maybe they'll come good. I'd feel bad about it and blah, blah, nah, get rid of them. Yeah. My, my experience is it's been so hard for me to do, but just get rid of them. Just go. You got to, It's got to happen um, and everyone will be better for it. Be respectful, pay them their dues, um, be obviously within the law, but do it. Uh, yeah, it has to be done. What, what we notice happens as well is that you lower your standard for that person, right? Yeah. And as soon as you lower that standard for that person, your standard's lower for every person in your organisation. Yeah. And if, in, if they don't, what you're going to be causing is a pretty toxic workplace when there's a high expectation for someone, call them X, and a lower expectation for Y. X is eventually going to figure out that they can get paid to do Y's job. Yep. And it, it's obviously going to be a lot easier for them. Exertion is going to be lower and you're going to completely reduce the the output. You're better yeah. off letting your high performers high perform for a short period of time, but the full knowledge that they're going to have help in yeah. the, down the line. I guarantee you, I, I want to say I was a high performer um, in the previous role, but it's easier for me to work for longer periods and do more short term when I know there's help coming and it's the right help. It's not just help. Yeah. It's just getting some you got the support. You, know, you got the growth opportunity. Yeah. Spot on. And it's like, I want to grow. I want this business to grow as well. I'm passionate about what I do and I want people around me to be passionate. And as soon as you've almost got that dark cloud that comes in to sort of hover, hover over everyone, it'll bring everyone down. I couldn't agree more with your point. Yeah. Like it. Okay. So we've got a couple more to go each. We've got process, process, process. Love the three word repetition. Me and Jordan didn't even like talk to each other about it. I had it. He had it. <laughs> it's a gray space thing. Um, so he's saying is that processes allow you focus on other things and spot on. We're massive advocates and processes and we spend a lot of our foundational period of time building these processes because what it allows you to do is it allows you to bring in people and they almost already know what to do because it's a process list yep. it's almost like we call it like the the work bible almost and it's sort of like this is like you need to know how to do something refer to this don't know yeah. this product just follow the step-by-step -step guide I don't know if this podcast actually featured on the Australian Business Podcast, but on the Australian Investors Podcast, which many people will know that I run as well, mm -hmm. um, we had a CEO with Richard White. I don't know if we did that here. Anyway, um, Richard White is one of Australia's richest people. He runs. He's the founder of WiseTech. He's worth about, I'm going to guess, two or three billion dollars. Him personally, the company's worth twenty billion, and they have this mantra at WiseTech. It's a software company for logistics industry. Slower today, faster forever. And um, when people think about processes, they think about, oh, I've got to create that document in Notion. Oh, I've got to put that thing down in the Microsoft Docs. And, oh, I've got to do that Loom video to show someone about that thing. Or I've got to onboard that team member in this way because that's the process. Yeah, well, maybe. But like Jordan says, by doing that now, you save the future you a bucket load of time. So do it. Um, my next one, actually, I'm going to bring two into the mix because then I might pass it back to you and then finally finish with me. Jordan said, um, build a brand. And uh, my phrase for this, a brand is what people say about you or your business when you're not in the room. And um, how would people describe your business? Not every business needs like a brand, like a 
fancy logo or, you know, uh, an Apple type creativity. But what you do need is you need a reputation. And a reputation is formed by thinking about where you present yourself, how you present yourself, how you conduct yourself when you're not in work hours. Like if you're the type of person that go and get sloshed with some clients, they're going to know that that's the type of person you really are. Even if you do go and get sloshed on the weekend, you don't have to get drunk with them. You can you can do it in your own time, so to speak, and you can maintain that brand and that professionalism during work hours. So building a personal brand and reputation is so important. Like reputational capital is so important. Um, you know, you want to position yourself accordingly. Uh, the other thing that I'd say um, before I throw it back to you is this is another one for me is be grateful. Um, if you're li- if you're listening to this on a Spotify device because you've got a premium subscription, if you're an Apple because you've got an iPhone, if you run a business, if you're thinking about running a business, take a moment and just be grateful for whatever everything you've done to get to this point that you are at right now. You've had to overcome so much adversity or challenges along the way. If you've been running a business for a few years, you probably had to go through COVID and the uncertainty of that and hiring and firing and so many things that it's just so easy not to remember that to, to forget that you know you are the your number one client and you should be grateful for that person in your life and well done to you so that's a bit of um, gratitude i try and do it with a i've got a gratitude journal that i have and it's just like one thing that you're grateful for today really simple yeah cool and this probably ties into my one of my ones as well it's use december christmas to plan for the 2024 financial year. Use a strategy framework. Traction is fantastic for it. Um, it comes with it. You can download it online, um, their yep. framework itself. Uh, it's great. It's very, very useful. Um, and create your almost your one-page business slash marketing plan and set yourself up for 24. Yep. What's your marketing plan? It can be on one page. You can do it. Um, who are your customers? What are you going to sell them and how are you going to do it? Pretty simple. Um, so that's that. Use the Christmas, use this period of your life, the New Year's period. Set the next few days. You don't have to do it. If you're listening to this on New, New Year's Eve, you don't have to do it tonight, but you might want to do it once you've recovered tomorrow or something like that. But just set a plan in place. And I think the quicker you can reach out to an expert to get support on that journey, the more likely you are to persist with that um, into the new year. So the next thing uh, we'll probably go as a joint on our list is have passion projects. If there's something you're passionate about, you can sit down now and think about ways that you can uh, capitalize on that passion and turn it into something commercial. Now, speaking of which, 20 this is the 24th link on our list, is in the next few weeks and months, um, you're going to hear a bit more about some new services that we'll be running, both Jordan, Daniel, and myself, or all three of us, We'll be launching a new community-based program and coaching service uh, to everyone who listens to the Australian Business Podcast. So if you're listening to this, if you've been listening throughout 2023 and you plan for growth in 2024, you will find a link in your show notes uh, where you can uh, go on the wait list for a new program that we're going to offer in February 2024. So this is going to be a community plus coaching program where you can connect with experts and peers just like us and you can find that community because Daniel and I and Jordan, we've recognized that there's no way in nowhere in Australia that you can actually go to get good expert-led data-driven uh, advice on how to scale and make your business more profitable. For example, you might be thinking of buying a business. You might be thinking of starting a business. You might already be in business and struggling. You might be in business and excelling. We know how hard it is to keep that momentum and persist. So what we're going to do in 2024 is we're going to launch into a a coaching program that will be available online anywhere you are throughout Australia. Even if you're overseas, you can take part in it as well. Um, So we are going to invite you to invest in a coaching program in 2024. That's the space we're moving into. The three of us have collectively identified as that's a huge opportunity. We've had so many people write in. We've got over 100 people on the wait list already. so even if you can't afford a full coach um, and someone that's an expert usually costs a lot of money, um, you will be able to find a home with us and you will be able to uh, learn marketing strategy, accounting strategies, financing strategies, sales strategies, tech and automation, marketing, branding, creative. We're going to cover all that in this new program. We've had over four and a, I think it's four and a half thousand people go through our free business course. For any of you that have taken that, thank you very much. But now we're launching the next level. 
Um, we're launching into an accelerator program that will be available in February. So um, invest in a coach in 2024. It doesn't have to be us. It could be your accountant who coaches you. It could be your financial advisor. It could be a friend or a family member. It could be someone independent. I invested in a coach a few years ago. I thought it was all wishy-washy and it changed my business life. It changed me personally. So I know Jordan's a big advocate for it and he's um, roped you into a few things too, Daniel. But um, what we really want you to do is just pop your name down, pop your email address in. Uh, if you're interested in joining our program, we're going to give everyone that joins uh, in February, we're going to give everyone uh, in that first cohort 50% off. Um, just because we're going to respect that you were there first, but also that you can give us feedback on how we can help you more and help other people more. So um, watch this space coming up in January 2024 on the Australian Business Podcast. We will also feature a lot of individual episodes from Daniel, Jordan, and myself. So these will be episodes that target one topic at a time, and we'll roll them all together as kind of like a crash course for new and existing business owners things that we've learned, things that we've pieced together over doing this for many, many years and seeing hundreds, if not thousands of other businesses go through different or similar processes and journeys. So that's all coming up soon. Daniel, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Across the RAS network this year, we've had over 6 million downloads of the podcasts. Um, the business podcast is flying. Uh, we expect huge things in 2024 as we go across the country again. Um, hoping to meet more people, hoping you can help more businesses and work with more business owners. So if anyone wants to get in contact, if you want to revisit your accounting situation, get in contact with Daniel Jordan at the team at Grayspace. I've got a heap of links in the show notes, including an ability to register your interest for our upcoming accelerator program. My absolute pleasure working with you in 2023. Um, I'm hoping for a lot more in 2024 and I'm very confident it's going to be a great year. So thanks for joining me. No, likewise, thanks for having us and thanks for the opportunity to um, work with you and your community. It's been a, a fun, crazy ride. Yeah, it has, mate. It has. All across the country, from Perth to Queensland to Melbourne uh, to Sydney to everywhere across the country. Um, thanks a lot, mate. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.